We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. And uh, great to be together. We'll, uh, we've got a lot to cover. We'll have uh, John Schlafly again. will be with us at Schlafly Report uh, later on. Uh, he's got a new column that's up over at townhall.com, our sister site, and also archived over at phyllisschlafly.com. Tough uh, last 24 hours for me and the family. Big St. Louis Cardinals fans, and it was disappointing to see them lose uh, to the Dodgers. But um, so be it. You know, we had a great season. Uh, the last five or six weeks were really fun as the Cardinals surged and made the playoffs the wild card run. And it was great to see Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina and uh, Goldsmith and uh, others, uh, Arenado, do so well. It was really fun. Cardinals fans, we, we are blessed with a lot of great baseball, and this was another example. So, all right, let's, um, let's talk about something that we have been, um, uh, we've been talking about and I've been harping on, but I want to come back to it. Two aspects of the power of the narrative machine, big tech, big media, and big government. One is the revolving door from big government to big tech and big media. Now you say to yourself, well, okay, there's one revolving door that's pretty obvious when you see a Clapper and Brennan leave the intelligence community and go to uh, CNN and MSNBC and NBC, re- respectively, making lots of money. The corollary, the companion to that is that they get book deals. And if you're Comey, I think Comey got, I don't know, Five million, seven million dollars to write a book, and he's he's kind of so you you reward the government service of people that are directionally the way you want them to be, and more specifically, you can watch the staffers, Amy Klobuchar, the senator from Minnesota, who was complaining about big tech, et cetera, et cetera. Her senior staffer, her senior advisor on tech, announced I think in the last day or two, maybe even longer than that, but it's certainly out now. I saw it covered that the staffer is leaving to go be a lobbyist with Apple. And so there you have it, the revolving door going in and out. And, you you know, even the woman that was the so-called whistleblower that was testifying before the Senate was saying, wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be great if we had an agency, a super agency that was regulating content that I could go work at after I worked at Facebook? That's what she said. She said it would be great to have a place where after I did a stint in, you know, Facebook, I could go over here and, and make have another stint there and go in and out of government, in and out of government. I'm reminded, by the way. Remember that there were some people like Jamie Gorlick, I think that's who it was, who was a pretty senior DOJ official a couple times, may even be there now. Uh, but one of the things that she left to go uh, become the general counsel of Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, I think that's right. I mean, somebody fact check me, but and she made six or seven or eight or ten million dollars during a five or six or seven year period to be a general counsel of a quasi government agency. See, in and out, in and out. The other aspect of the narrative machine, the close relationship to big tech, big media, and big government is how they start to reinforce each other. And the best example of this is Don Lemon with a straight face going on um, the morning show of CNN. Is it called New Day? I've been on there before when I was uh, at CNN for a while. And so he's usually on in the evening. He goes on New Day and he goes on a rant 
And he basically says, we definitely need the government to step in and get big tech under control. We definitely do. We do. And, and what we need them to be, the reason we can do it, Don Lemon said, is because we already know how to get to the truth. We've already had media like CNN. They just tell the truth. They get rid of disinformation. That's what he said with a straight face. Don Lemon, Don Lemon's saying, hey, we can figure out what's true and not true because we did it at CNN. <laughs> Seriously? Is that, that's your best example? The reality is, of course, that the fake news and the big media is right in the tank. And so now remember, the, the message is being reinforced, right? The narrative machine is being reinforced right down the line. On cue. I mean, I told you over the weekend, Wall Street Journal, 60 Minutes, we're lifting up the whistleblower lady as the greatest and most important thing ever. Then she goes before big government, the Senate, and says, this is what we need. We need to. Uh, and oh, and, and by the way, I think it was the Washington Post who took up uh, the argument, at least. And I didn't think it was original, by the way. I didn't think I made it up. I think I've heard it and put it together. But the argument that any changes like the so-called whistleblower advocated would put us in a position where the big tech guys are able to uh, uh, deal with the regulations because they have big staffs and big lawyers and big money, and any upstarts would be blocked from barrier to entry. So the Washington Post actually wrote about that part of that piece of it. They didn't credit me with it, but uh, but there you have it. And so, you know, the que- the bigger question I have to say is out there in normal America, what is it people are feeling you know, what is it that you're feeling when you say, I mean, I, I think on one level, you, you certainly are feeling drain the swamp. These people are so corrupt. But I'm talking about the power of the narrative machine. Are people actually able to see through it in such a way that they can kind of, uh, you know, fight their way to a normal truth? It's, it's really not easy, right? It's really not a simple task. It's really not something that is easy to do. And that's the real question. I was, I call it trolling. I was trolling around with some friends and people I trust that are smart and saying, you know, okay, what do you do about it? What do you do about this narrative machine that you see, you know? And, you know, one of the guys that I watch and listen to is uh, Scott Adams. He does a Periscope, or used to be called a Periscope. He does a live stream, and he talks about, you know, how do you find the trusted partners? And he argues for this kind of um, uh, group of people who might be validating what you're doing, or not not validating, checking on it, uh, and making sure that you're not uh, sort of uh, getting misled by people. It's not a bad idea. I'm not sure. It works completely, but I see what he's saying. But what is it we can do, right? Where do you, I mean, I know a lot of conservatives that watch and listen to Tucker and Tucker Carlson is their solution. Well, that's a one hour show and it's really not even a news show. He's really more of a commentary, right? He's not. So how do you go and get the news when you literally are being fed a narrative and being told a truth by people in the media and big tech and big government, where, you know, where does that, uh, how, how do you go get to, uh, truth? Here's another example. Uh, here, this is a very important example. I, I'll see if I can walk through this well. I might do another segment on this. I was watching, I read on Politico that they have now indicted some of the January 6th people for stealing Pelosi's laptop. Okay, And one of the women is named, I think, Riley. I'm not sure if that's her first name or last name. But in the article, it said, Riley was involved in January 6th. They confirmed that. And she wasn't charged with stealing Pelosi's laptop until recently, the last day or two. And that was because they had to build the case. But one of the pieces of the case they built was witness one who said that this woman, Riley, told... I don't know, witness one, I don't know if it's a boy or girl. I don't, I don't even know. When I finish the sentence, you'll know why it's a little confusing. But witness one 
who's identified as a romantic partner of this Riley woman. So I don't know if it's a boy or girl, but I mean, I, I don't know. I just don't know. But so this former romantic partner says, oh, yeah, Riley told me um, she's going to give that laptop to Russian friends and sell it to the Russians. Seriously? And, and, and so that is a former, you know, pr- probably disgruntled. I mean, no, there's not a lot of former romantic partners that are particularly on good terms. Not that I know of. And so but that was and when you when you read the story in Politico today. It says the indictment said that witness one said that they might sell it to Russia. That's all it said. You click through to the story. When the first story came out in January, it said there's a, a, a possible witness who said that they, she might, this woman might sell it to the Russians. When you click on the original FBI document, it then basically says it's an X and it sort of implies, I don't know how much we can trust this uh, situation. But my point is, they washed the story all the way through to today, seven or eight months later, and it's just reported. Point of fact. You don't even realize they're reporting about the ex-girlfriend or boyfriend of this person who says this. That's not that credible. And it's reported as if it was the FBI found out. And again, it's back to the Russia, Russia, Russia thing. Whenever they can, they're looking for ways to make it to fill these, fit the narrative into the truth they want to reinforce. All right, we got to take a break, everybody. Be right back. It's Ed Martin. Go to ProAmericaReport.com. ProAmericaReport.com. Tune in there. Get all these interviews and everything else. And sign up for the daily email. Be right back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Time to check in with John Schlafly. John Schlafly, of course, writes a weekly column, the Schlafly Report, over at townhall.com and also available at phyllisschlafly.com. It's archived there. This week's column, Vaccine Tyranny Gets Booed. Vaccine Tyranny Gets Booed. Welcome back, John. How are you? I'm great, Ed. How are you? I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. Uh, Well, walk me through, first of all, um, uh, I'm sorry to say to you, Oh, I, I was looking for it. You don't have a reference to Let's Go Brandon, do you? <laughs> They've already... I've ordered a, a T-shirt, uh, I, I, uh, or maybe I mean a sweatshirt, <laughs> that says Let's Go Brandon uh, on it. That's very clever. I was so it is a height of... It's, re, it, it, it's really funny, though, the way. You're so impressed I, by what? Well, uh, you know... Uh, you know, uh, the way that's sort of taken off, it's, it's yeah, a meme. It is. <clears throat> it is. Well, but it's but it's funny because what and what we're talking about is that there was across the country in a number of places and Fox News was reporting on it a lot. Who knows how many times it happened? But there was at, at public events, there would be people chanting. Joe Biden. And uh, in an interview after a NASCAR event, the winner was named Brandon something or other. And the reporter said, do you hear that? They're yelling, uh, let's go, Brandon. And of course, they weren't. They were yelling joe biden and so that became the theme people said let's go brandon and there are now t-shirts and as you say it's a meme everywhere the reason it works so well is normal people can't yell joe biden but you can say let's let's go brandon anywhere now and people do in radio interviews and tv interviews and things and it just makes if you know the joke and it's a big joke now it's i don't know 80 million 100 million people are in on the joke it works pretty well but back to your point john vaccine tyranny gets booed i thought you could have slipped that in john i could i think you could have slipped in let's go brandon in there but tell me what's what's in this tell me what you found you know, well we're you know a lot of things could have been slipped in you know we we started off making fun of uh you know uh, Lindsey Graham took some heat from his constituents at a Republican event last weekend in yeah. South Carolina, and the, 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 the you know he was 
talking up the vaccine there, and his and the people were not having it, and they they pushed back on everything he said. So we talked about that, and of course that was before you know Senator Kirsten Cinema got accosted in the bath in the ladies' room, but that was a horrible thing. We could have had we might have written about that. Uh, yeah, uh, and maybe you talked about that, but you know those were. And it came out later that the the illegal alien who who chased Kirsten Cinema into the bathroom and filmed her inside the ladies' room is it was is one of George Soros's funded organizations. And somebody pointed. Wait out, a second! Wait a second! Wait a second! I, wait a second! I had not followed that. For now, let me set this back up. We're talking with John. Well, we're talking with John Schlafly. Yeah, but hold on. Now we're we're talking about Kirsten. I did talk about Kirsten Cinema. Went to the bathroom in, in Arizona. Was chased into the bathroom by an illegal alien who then yelled at her and, and taped the whole thing. She's actually an employee of a Soro, one of those organizations. Well, I don't know about an employee, but she's with an oh. uh, with an entity which is a pro, you know, a pro illegal alien entity, uh, uh, which is described as a partner of a different entity, which has received funding from the Open Society. So, you, you know, you do have to connect the dots a little bit. But, of course, you know, George Soros has distributed his money so widely over the last decades to so many groups, and they're all aiming at basically uh, destroying our country that you can almost, you can scratch a rock anywhere, and you can find some connection to Soros. And somebody pointed out, Ed, that, uh, uh, you know, you go back to the the woman who, remember the woman who accosted Brett Kavanaugh in the elevator when he was up for confirmation a few years ago? Yeah, yeah. Well, that yeah, uh-huh. was a, uh, you know, a Soros-funded, you know, fem, you know, feminist, illegal alien group that was, anyway... Uh, we all of us have our hands full uh, trying to make a difference and save our country from the forces arrayed against us, and that's just one more example out of many. And so, John, how do you how do you, how do you handle or describe the uh, the role the way the president of the United States and uh, President Trump? He was for the vaccine. In other words, he was for Operation Warp Speed, said we got to try to do something. He has been clear he's not for the mandates. I think that's the space. Is that the position? I mean, because it is such a nonsensical thing. They say it's the Trump people that didn't get the vaccine. I think if you did a survey of Trump people, I bet you it's more than a majority did get it. Um, I, by the way, a lot of African-Americans who didn't support Trump, I don't suspect uh, uh, that they supported him. They, they haven't gotten it. But but is that, um, you know, the, the so a guy like Lindsey Graham, he thinks he can get away with uh, being for Fauci, but the grassroots isn't having any of it, are they? No, and I think I think um, the issue is more political now. I would say because um, first of all, I think Dr. Fauci has certainly lost his luster, um, or to the extent that he had any, and um, but as time has gone on. And I think uh, more and more questions about the vaccine have been raised. And it's kind of surprising to me that it's happened. I didn't expect that to happen. But legitimate questions have been raised both about the safety and about the effectiveness of the vaccine. You know, the vaccine doesn't keep you from getting COVID. You know, that's what last year people thought it would work like other vaccines. Well, it's not like other vaccines. 
and um, many, many tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people who got the vaccine have got COVID anyway. And well, John, I, John, I, John, let me stop you for a second. I want to I want to make a point. I, I, I actually think that now and people should be able to hold two thoughts in their head. Uh, a year ago, when a lot of Americans said, OK, well, maybe 18 months ago, uh, 15 months ago, I have to tr- I have to trust Trump. Guys like you and me, um, he says we have to, you know, slow the spread 15 days and we have to lock down and and we have to go for Operation Warp Speed. A lot of us trusted him. And now I don't think people do. Right. A lot of us didn't. I mean, I, I, I didn't start out saying Fauci was uh, irresponsible because Trump was saying we have to go like this. Now, looking back, I think you can say that was a mistake. You know, in other words, Trump's asking us to stick with some of that didn't work out. I don't blame him. He had to make his best decision that he could. But I think that's kind of true now. Do you? Well, yes. And I think, you know, if you can pinpoint, of course, we can all look back and decide in our own lives what we did wrong. Uh, but right. I think that if you could pinpoint one central fundamental mistake, is the one that Senator Ron Johnson of Wisconsin has identified over and over again. He's been talking about it for a year. The mistake was to not to give as much weight to therapeutics as to the vaccine. Right. And, and, right. If you, and in fact, the initial emergency funding that was passed by Congress actually stated that the money was to go for for Operation Warp Speed for both the vaccine and therapeutics for people both, uh, uh, you know, to, you know, medicines that people could take if they started to get symptoms or, you know, medicines that could help prevent, um, like, like we've had for many years against other viral diseases, antivirals. And uh, if an, and, and starting with the medicines that already existed and then working on new ones and not near enough of the extraordinary federal investment has gone to that. Now, just a few yeah. days ago, uh, Merck announced that they've concocted, you know, a brand new uh, therapeutic, which they say is very promising and is about to come out and maybe it'll come out in a month or two and it will be very expensive and of course we're all hopeful for that but in the meantime we've had as we're told every day 700,000 people who went to the hospital and got put on a ventilator and then died and I really believe that many of those people could have been saved if they had had access huh. to uh, uh, something before, Therapeutics. They got, before, it got, before it went too far so, yeah. Well, and I, I and I and, and to put and to put a put a point on that, John. I've heard people say it's more accurate to call the vaccine a therapeutic because it's not a vaccine in the traditional way that it solves all your problems, like your vaccines did, or you know. So, in some ways, your point is even more strongly that way. Uh, yes. Now, of course, we weren't told that. Uh, you know, now right. maybe if maybe if the American people had been told that. Uh, last fall, when the vaccine was being announced, uh, you know, maybe public opinion might have been different than right. it turned out to be. But I think we're now at a situation where, you know, public opinion, 
at least among a large segment of the American people, it's not a majority, but it's a substantial segment, are simply, you know, they're going to be refuseniks, and they're just not going to take the vaccine, and they will, if they lose their job, you know, that's the choice they'll make. And um, there are, uh, so far, the legal... Uh, the, the lawsuits have not gone well, though, for the people who refused. Right. Most of the lawsuits have failed. Yeah, I see a new yeah, lawsuit they, filed noticed. today on behalf of yeah. military service members, and I maybe that will fare better. I think that yeah. it ought to be tested because uh, I, we can't say that the Jacobson decision from 1905 is still. It, settles the matter today. That decision yeah. should be regarded as archaic. I mean, that's, you know, that's, we're not, that's not the situation we face today. This has got to be looked we probably, at anew. Yeah. We, we probably need another Schlafly report on that uh, topic right there, on that decision, because I think that is where we're headed. All right, John, i got to run, though. I'm out of time. John Schlafly, the Schlafly Report is over at townhall.com as well as at phyllisschlafly.com. We will uh, talk again next week. Thank you, John. We'll take a quick break, everybody, and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report, back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. It's been a while since we talked to our old friend Julie Kelly. I do know she's still writing all the time, not all the time, a lot at American Greatness, amgreatness.com. She's got a lot of things going on. She's one of the real, I, 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 I dare say, Julie, it's really transitioned from just being a journalist or a, a columnist. You're kind of now a, a, you know, a historian because you've been listening to many, many of the hearings, most of the hearings that are you're able to of the January 6th political prisoners. And so you know, you've got this great perspective and also it's great to have you back. And she wrote a piece a few weeks ago that I flagged and put in my file. I wanted to talk about the FBI because so much has come down. And there, again, there's almost nobody who's observed, you know, from the Russia hoax down through the, the January uh, 6th, all, all these pieces together like Julie Kelly has. So welcome, Julie. How are you? Good, Ed. Thanks so much for having me on. Before we get into some of the details, um, you've observed a lot of this stuff, the FBI, the FISA, you know, applications and all. And it's almost it just gets worse and worse. Um, and I can't even say does anything surprise you. I don't think it does. But I mean, how how disheartened do you get about how corrupt and just broken this this whole system, the FBI, Department of Justice? I mean, it's just amazing. The judges, um, all of it, it's very disheartening, uh, but also eye-opening, as you can imagine, at the same time. And had I not had some background in covering Russiagate and understanding where these investigators and these attorneys, prosecutors, and these district judges will go, the lengths to which they will go, the rules that they will set aside, the constitutional protections that they will violate and ignore uh, to pursue their own political agenda or help somebody else pursue it. Um, I, I, I don't think I would be able to really grasp what's happening, but that that was a helpful background to see what's happening now. Yeah. But I'm telling you, Ed, what is going to come out about January 6th, and mark my words, is going to make the Russia hoax look, hoax look like child's play. Um, when the truth or most of the truth finally comes out, I'm hoping next year with some of the trials, even now with some of this discovery evidence, the American people are going to be floored at what happened on that day and behind the scenes leading up to that day. 
And so that's the only thing that really keeps me going, aside from the people who are ensnared in this abusive investigation and trying to tell their stories and at least be one voice on their behalf. We're, we're talking with Julie Kelly, at Julie underscore Kelly 2 on Twitter, my favorite Twitter handle ever. I memorized it. I have it down. But but Julie, I'm going to say this. I'm going to tell this to you. I know we're doing radio, and I probably should you know stop and, and do it off the air. But you sound tired to me because, and I'm saying that like, it, it, I, I'm tired. I, and you get, you get worn down by the reality. And frankly, here's the real truth, the problem. You see it more than, you see... Like there's a hundred instances of really bleakness because so-and-so's in a jail, his wife leaves him, such and such is happening. Yeah. And, and other people see only one slice of it. And I mean, I, I'm exhausted and I'm only looking at like 10% of it, but it, it's, I, I don't know. How do you, how do you, I mean, I, I'm worried about you. I'm being serious. Oh, thank you. Ed. I, you know, I, I am tired. I've been working on my manuscript all weekend in addition to the coverage. Uh-huh. But um, I'll tell you, you know, and this is just an antidote. I you know, I get mail. My husband and my kids will be like, Mommy, that jail mail. And uh, I walked down <laughs> on the counter just now and I had two different envelopes out and, a, and a, someone had colored me a picture. And so I said to my hmm. husband, well, where did this come from? And he said, well, it came in a big envelope to you. And I open all of it because sometimes, you know, I intercept. Right. And we get all kinds right. of weird mail. Um, but uh, but the people, the detainees who I get letters from and information from is very emotional. And so uh, it does. I don't want to say it takes its toll. In a way, it's motivating because it's such purposeful right. work, Ed, as you know, and in, in what you're doing, right. too. Uh, but it also is very draining. I've been listening to hearings all day and in court documents. And it's it's very disheartening what's happening, not just for our country, but for these individual Americans who are just being completely hung out to dry. We're talking with Julie Kelly again. Um, Julie, uh, how you said something that I believe you on, but I also know like the Russia hoax. You and I did radio together 20 times Mm -hmm. and we were talking about this doesn't make sense. This isn't going to this isn't going to hold up. And what happened was they lied about it. Schiff and Pelosi and everybody long enough. And and, and you sort of go past it. Even Mueller was like an adult. He he was like a warm up for Biden. He didn't know where he was or what was happening. And yet it's half the country or 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 60 percent of the country thinks that Russia interfered in the election. And my, my point here is now um, the narrative machine, big tech, big media and big government creating a truth. I mean, you know, uh, the Durham report, if you read some of that Sussman indictment, it basically says the whole thing was a political hit job. And yet, you know, uh, two thirds of the country still thinks, you know, that, that that there was some there there. How do you I mean, how can the Jan- January 6th thing break out? I mean, how do the trials? Do you think the trials will do it? Because you can't trust the media, right? No, the media and, and people do say that to me. Well, who cares if a year from now, two years, you know, now four or five years, we're getting finally some accountability. Well, it doesn't matter. Well, it does. I mean, it matters to our side. And I do think that mm-hmm. there is a slice of America, of America who just wants to drown out everything. But you can't uh, you can't turn your eyes to the fact that our FBI is completely corrupted. It is so broken and immoral. It should be completely burned. I mean, it should be completely uh, abolished. There's no salvaging it. And look what we have in the past month. We have some of the top Olympic gymnasts in this country who did not get the FBI's attention against a serial child molester, rapist, really, um, 
because the FBI was too busy chasing Carter Page and George Papadopoulos. Uh, you have now mm-hmm. another inspector general's report from Michael Horowitz, who seems like the only decent man in the Justice Department who's actually doing any work. Once again, finding more and not errors, blatant, flagrant mistakes on these FISA applications. You know, you now have proof of the FBI in cahoots with Perkins Coie uh, through the uh, in the Clinton campaign. And now we have evidence from the New York Times that the FBI was uh, had an informant at least two with the Proud Boys on the ground on January 6th and my piece on the Whitmer kidnapping, which people have right. to write. Just for, you could not write this stuff or fiction. This case is absolutely mind-blowing what the FBI did. And we're only getting to the tip, we're only at the tip of the iceberg there. So I right. do think putting all this together and people are, people, regardless of what you think of Russia hoax, right now we are in a dire situation with the most powerful law enforcement agency, not in the country, in the world, that is beyond broken. Right corrupt and it's turned its powers now against the american people that's dangerous uh, so julie uh, we're talking with julie kelly at julie underscore kelly two on twitter also uh, american greatness go to amgreatness.com and you'll see her writings there click on her name if you see an article she wrote click on her name and go back and you'll see all these different times she wrote on things um julie do you think that um do you think that on the um on the um uh, when you try to think about things to look forward to one thing i say to look forward to is if you you know who can be the heroes to get to the bottom of this because you could wait until January of 2025 when President so-and-so sworn in as a Republican and then three months for him to run the gauntlet of Lindsey Graham and the and the, and the Judiciary Committee to get a, 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 a deputy confirmed at the Department of Justice, et cetera, et cetera. And so and that's too, it feels too long. We should hope for that anyway. It, it, can you do, do you think that we've seen enough uh, shift in in the uh, conservative slash Republican uh, leadership, or has there been any to say, hey, when you get uh, if you get to, to be um, to in the majority House of Representatives, the Oversight Committee is going to convene hearings on January six, a select committee just like she did, and get to the bottom of what Pelosi did, or or do you see an Attorney General in a state or uh, a governor that's finding a way into this? I mean, because ultimately the the, the freeze out happens when the media says over and over, well, you haven't proven in a court of law that there's election stuff. And then mm-hmm. most of the public goes, oh, I guess not. Right? Who, who can be a hero on this, on the Republican side? Is there anybody you're seeing? No, there's nobody. Um, <laughs> and if we are stuck with this current group of Republican leadership, especially in the Senate, nothing will ever change. The battle next year is going to be within the Republican Party, getting rid of these senators and congressmen, uh, especially in making, say, Senate candidates pledge that they will not elect Mitch McConnell to be the Senate Majority Leader if they take back the Senate. I would feel the same way about Kevin McCarthy. Look, I've heard from six or seven House Republicans and one U.S. Senator uh, who is concerned about what's happening in the D.C. Gitmo jail uh, that now has more mm-hmm. than three dozen January 6th defendants and this egregious unequal application of the law. Uh, aside from that, there's nothing. Kevin McCarthy hasn't said a word. Jim Jordan hasn't said a word. But, you know, people who I used to really respect and feel like we're doing the right things, absolutely nothing. And so the fight hmm. next year has to be within the GOP. If we do not clean house, there's, it does not matter who wins the White House. It, it just, or yeah. quite frankly, getting, getting the House or the Senate back.
This is a top of mind for the rank and file is getting rid of these corrupt institutions. And this is not the team to do it. Well, and, and you know what I tell people that, you know, Donald Trump did an interview in November of 2016, uh, maybe it was early December, and they, they the reporter was asking him about um, the phrases he used. And they were asking, you know, build the wall. And then they said, lock her up. And he said, actually, I didn't say lock her up. That was other people, you know, later. But he did say, Trump said, I used drain the swamp. And I didn't know that was as good it was. I, I used it in October of 2016. And it took off. I feel like this next election is drain the swamp. I, I feel like it doesn't matter who you are, we, either party, it's a drain the swamp election and and i think that the public the public feels that in their gut the question is whether there's a way that they can you know gingrich gingrich once said julie about the the contract for america that it was yeah it was good for the public but it was only six weeks before the election it was actually also good in case they won which they did he it made the members know they had to do something that they had sort of promised and they went through it right and the problem is mm-hmm. right now you're already seeing it they're trying out mccarthy was trying out the other day you know uh, don't you think you should keep more money in your pocket when the and the, you should end it better than the governor give me i mean the government does give me a break that that's not where we are i mean i know i would I, I agree with that, but that's that's not where we are right now. They they just don't get it. They are stuck in some sort of I don't know nineteen ninety even you know Reagan era. You know we've we've got look at the look at these gas prices. Well, okay, yes, that's a problem. But when you're head of House Judiciary or ranking member of House Judiciary, and you're worried, you know you're tweeting. That's not you're right. That's not where people are. Yes, they're upset about that, but that is just a an. A, that's just a result of a completely corrupted system on both sides um, and a, a weak Republican part, weak, ineffective, complicit, you might say, uh, that refused to take on the people who are responsible now for the pain that Americans are enduring, whether it's people who are having their homes raided at 530 in the morning for trespassing at the Capitol or people whose you know gas bills, food bills are going sky high, whatever it is, this Republican Party has no idea how to counter the left. we got to get rid of almost yeah. all of them. Um, and so mm-hmm. that's just, that will be the challenge next year. All right, Julie Kelly, at Julie, at Julie underscore Kelly, number two on Twitter, uh, American Greatness, amgreatness.com. Listen, take care of yourself. Take care of yourself. Take care of yourself and keep going. Thank you. We appreciate you. And <laughs> you're the best. Thanks so much. All right, we'll talk to you soon. Julie Kelly, everybody. We'll take a break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily broadcast from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. And we're upholding the legacy of Phyllis Schlafly, grassroots activist, author of 27 books, and articulate voice for traditional values for more than 70 years. And now, from the archives of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, here is Phyllis Schlafly. Today, October 8th, is the anniversary of the birthday of a World War II hero and Congressional Medal of Honor winner, Eddie Rickenbacker. He shot down an incredible 69 enemy aircraft. In 1942, the Secretary of War asked Rickenbacker to inspect military bases in the Pacific. His plane had inadequate navigational equipment, so he flew hundreds of miles off course, ran out of fuel, and had to ditch his plane in the Pacific. Eddie Rickenbacker, then age 52, and seven survivors drifted in the open sea for 24 days. One of the other guys reported that on the eighth day, after reading from the Bible, Matthew 6.31, a seagull landed on Rickenbacker's head. He caught it 
and they use it for food and fish bait on a hook made from a key ring. They had to fight off sharks and ocean waves several feet high. They drank water wrung from their clothes after a very few drizzles of rain. Eddie Reckenbacker later wrote, It was clear to me that God had a purpose in keeping me alive. I had been saved to serve. A self-made man whose formal education ended with the sixth grade, Eddie Rickenbacker nevertheless was a real leader in everything he touched. According to his New York Times obituary, after he was rescued, he made many speeches in which he paid tribute to Senator Joseph McCarthy, the great American senator who exposed the communists who had infiltrated our government. Rickenbacker urged us to withdraw from the United Nations and to repeal the income tax amendment. He said, I am going to crusade to save the American way of life for future generations. I want our children, our grandchildren, and those who follow them to enjoy the American opportunities which have been mine. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report with Ed Martin, president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. If you're busy taking notes, you can stop now because these commentaries in written form and spoken audio are archived on the website phyllisschlafly.com, many recorded by Mrs. Schlafly herself. If you're doing research or missed a day, just go to phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening and re-listening to the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Just got a few minutes to finish up. I wanted to uh, describe for you how insidious the media is when it comes to Republicans. Now, we've talked a number of times about how there are the never-Trumpers, but they're at least sort of smoked out. You can see them. They identify themselves sort of by their, uh, you know, they work for the bulwark or they are affiliated with Bill Crystal stuff. But here's an example of one of the um, uh, big press, uh, big media outlets quoting Kristen Solis Anderson. Now, she's a CNN contributor, so I've met her before, but maybe only once or twice. But she also owns a polling company. Now, I've told you before, polling companies are really the, the least reputable uh, entity in politics. They just, they're not real most of the time. I mean, some of them, like Rasmussen, have a system that you can at least recognize. But the ones that run the polls, sort of like Kristen Solis Anderson and and others, you just they're just going to give you the answer that you want or the answer that they want. And so they did a poll, though, and they asked people about Trump being the future of the party. And, And so they asked Kristen Solis Anderson about this poll. And she said, because she hates Trump, but they trot her out like she's a real Republican. And she said something like, um, well, I, a lot of people say, yes, Trump is the leader in 2024. Uh, but I believe that's a soft yes. And she goes on to say, why? Well, what does that mean? Why does she get to be the one that tells us it's a soft yes? And the reason why is because you will see ramping up over the coming months and it will be a very intentional effort and the and the ramping up will be to make people believe that the that there are lots of people who are republican trying to run and it's just not true it's just not true so anyway yeah that's what i'll put it up on social media we'll come back and talk about pollsters break that down another time all right thank you for listening thank you as always to noah our great technical director and producer of the show and joanna for booking our guests and we'll be back tomorrow it's ed martin here on the pro america report Talk to you then.
America Report on The Answer San Diego.